year. Okay, I want to share with you something from the Bible. Why don't you have a look with me in Mark chapter 3. I want to speak on withered hand, the withered hands, withered hands tonight. Withered hands. Open up in uh, Mark chapter 3. And Jesus entered the synagogue, and there was a man who had a withered hand like a claw. And they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And the man who had the withered hand, Jesus said to him, Rise, stand up in the midst. And uh, then he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do evil, to save life or to kill it? But they didn't answer. They kept silent. And he looked around. Look at this. Jesus was angry, being grieved at the hardness of their hearts. He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored like the other. And the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples, and a great multitude followed him. And then verse 13, he went up into a mountain and called to him those he wanted. They came to him and he appointed 12 that he might, they might be with them and he might send them out to preach and have power to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. I want to just uh, read to you just something uh, I, I picked up off the internet. I was looking at the history of Christianity in Asia. And uh, some of you might remember the guy, Genghis Khan. How many remember Genghis Khan or heard of him or anything? He was one of the greatest warriors in history. And uh, he was a Mongol. He went from Mongolia, which is a huge, vast area on the outskirts of China. There's an outer Mongolia and inner Mongolia. When you, to go around there, there's no roads. You have to travel overland with a GPS or by horseback. So I've been up there. It's a wild, wild place. And uh, they still live very primitively up there. But from there arose the Mongols. And the Mongols uh, were a warrior kind of people. And there was a season in history when they had their moment. And uh, they began to advance. They advanced from Mongolia through into China. And uh, that was under the influence of Kublai Khan, which was Genghis Khan's father. And at that time, there was a visitor from the West. His name was Marco Polo. Marco Polo went up there, and he observed that there were quite a number of Christians in that part of the world, quite a number of Christians in China. In fact, they found them along the trade route. Apostles had gone out, and Christian communities were started. There was quite a number of Christians there. There were also other kinds of religions as well. And uh, he interacted with uh, Kublai Khan, and he began to talk and share with him. And, uh, and Kublai Khan was not anti-Christian. And he actually was convinced that Christianity was the best faith for that part of Asia that he was in. However, there was a problem. And here's what the problem is. They asked him, well, then, if you believe that Christianity is the best for your nation, the best for your people, what is stopping you from becoming a Christian? And this is the reply that he gave. And you'll see where I'm leading with this in a moment. This is what he said to them. They asked the Khan why he had not accepted the Christian faith. And this is what he said. Why do you wish to make me a Christian? You see, Christians in this area are very ignorant. They do nothing, and they have no power. Isn't that an interesting statement? They do nothing, and they have no power. You see these idolaters over here, they do what they're pleased. And when I'm sitting at tables, the cups in the middle of the hall, they make them come to me without any hand touching them. And he said, not only that, they compel bad weather to go in any direction they please. 
And they can do many other amazing things with their sorcery. Uh, as well, you know, their idols speak and tell them all they want. If I'm converted to Christ and become a Christian, then my leaders and other people who are not attached to faith in Christ would say, what reason has moved you to baptism and to hold the faith of Christ? These idolaters say what they do, they do by the holiness and power of their idols. I wouldn't know how to answer them. And those idolaters, well, they would use their magic arts and make me die. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to your leader. I want you to go back to your leader. And you shall pray for him on our behalf to send me a hundred men skilled in your religion before who these idolaters, they may be able to reprove what they do and say to them that they know and they can do these things, but they will not because they're done by demonic art and through witchcraft and evil spirits. And they may be able to restrain these sorcerers so they have no power to do these things in my presence. And when I see this, then we shall consider Christianity. And it says, then we shall be baptized. I will be baptized. My leaders and great men will be baptized. And their subjects will receive baptism. And there will be more Christians in this part of the world than in your part of the world. What an amazing statement. What are you saying is this? Why would I become a Christian when the Christians that I see here do nothing and have no power. And I'm surrounded by sorcerers and men of the Spirit, and they can do all kinds of miraculous and supernatural signs and wonders. What I want to know is if you could bring a hundred men who could stand in front of these men and shut them down and demonstrate the power of your God is greater than the power of our gods. If you do that, I'll become a Christian. I'll get baptized. My leaders will get baptized. Their people will be baptized. And this whole area, there'll be more Christians than in your part of the world. And for 20 years, there was no reply for that request. There was no response to that request. Finally, two men were sent, and one was sick and died on the way. And so Christianity did not advance there. A short time later, Genghis Khan arose in the repla in, to replace his father, and the Mongolian Empire spread through all the known world. Christianity could have spread through all of Asia at that time, but did not. Why did it not spread? Because when the moment came, the church was withered. The church had no power. Jesus walked into the synagogue, and he found there a man whose right hand, the Bible tells us, was withered. It was dried up. It was shriveled. It had no life. It had no power. It had become claw-like and withdrawn and was hidden away. When the Bible is talking about right hand, all through the Bible, when there's a reference to right hand, the right hand is the hand of blessing. The right hand of God is the power of God. God shall stretch forth his right hand, and he shall hit the nations, the Bible says. So whenever the Bible's referring to right hand, it's referring to the power ministry of the Holy Ghost working through believers like you and me who love God and know how to flow with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus came into the church of his day, and there was a man there, and he had a 
shriveled, withered right hand, and that shriveled, withered right hand, that man was symbolic of a whole generation, powerless, having a message of the Bible that was powerless to change a generation. And Jesus went into that synagogue, and he identified the man with the withered hand. He identified that withered, powerless generation. And he rose up and he confronted the church of his day. Jesus many times was confrontational. Primarily, he was confrontational with powerless religion. Religion that doesn't change lives. Religion that has no practical or powerful outworking. People coming to church, people coming to meetings, but not living a life with God, not living a life in the Holy Ghost, not living a life of prayer, not living a life on purpose, not fulfilling the call of God. None of us are called to live like that. You heard from Pastor Dave tonight about a jihad generation, about the uh, Muslim extremists sending a call out to a young generation who have no hope have bitterness and anger and despair in their heart to rise up and wage war. Well, I tell you something, the Holy Ghost is calling to a generation in this part of the world with a withered hand. He's calling to a generation to rise up and to be made whole and to minister the life of God. He's calling to you. You'll either be part of the answer or remain part of the problem. So this man had a withered hand. There was a part of his life that was withered up and had no power, no strength, no might. Normally, when uh, someone has a withered hand, they hide it or conceal it. Usually when a person has some part of their body withered and non-functional, firstly, they're physically limited in what they can do. He couldn't work. He couldn't apply himself to do things. Second, so physically it affected him emotionally, a tremendous amount of shame. You imagine walking around and you've got a hand that's more like a claw than like a hand. This huge embarrassment, huge shame, because you are not called to be like that. A church where people have no power in their lives, they've got a withered hand. The church is not called to be like that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that God gives to every believer the giftings of the Holy Spirit. He releases to every believer the supernatural power of God. He wants us to learn how to be able to rise in prayer, to extend our faith, pray and see miracles. See the power of God touch people. Even as a young Christian, when I was teaching in a classroom, I had two young girls who were involved in the occult, and they were involved in magical arts, and they were involved in some quite powerful stuff. I'd never seen of it before. It's quite fascinating, to tell the truth. But when uh, they finally, I had a chance to meet with them, and uh, they began to shake in the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. Even as a young Christian, I knew enough to rise up and be able to confront that sorcery that they were involved in and to see the power of God release them from it. How many messages do you need to listen to before your heart responds and you hunger for God and begin to stretch out to see what He can do through you? You'll never see miracles if you hold back in yourself. The only way we ever see God moving is when we stretch out and so this man had a withered hand. I wonder what in your life has become withered. 
There's many things that can wither us, cause us to lose life. Disappointment can wither you. Disappointment can wither your soul. You draw back and you won't try again. Fear can cause you to become withered and you won't stretch out. Man, if, if, if you have a fear around your life, cause you to hold back so you can save yourself. The shame of past experiences can wither you and dry you up on the inside. So you don't reach out, don't take risks, don't stretch out. Why? Because you're ashamed of who you are. Ashamed of being a Christian, ashamed to be different, ashamed to be a follower of Christ. Before who? All will stand. Why should we remain withered in our soul? Why should we be withered? Because we've had painful experiences. People have betrayed or hurt us or disappointed us. Why do we let our soul remain withered when we come into the presence of one who restores a withered soul, restores withered lives, restores broken hearts, and raises people up to make a difference? It's always a choice, isn't it? You know, so many things can wither us and dry us up. You see, Jesus confronted it. Interesting, the religious people were watching, and they were watching Jesus closely. This is why one of the reasons I hate religion. I hate anything to do with religion, and I hate anything religious. I get on edge when people start to get religious around me because I know that what they present is a lie. What they present is a substitute for reality. Religion is man's attempts to look good, be good, try and impress God, and it's always external. And the interesting thing about the religious people, they were forever trying to find fault with someone else. They had a system of laws. You do this, you don't do that. This is right, that's wrong. They lived in a legal system. They lived by lots of laws. If you do this, you gain points with God. If you don't do it, then you get disgraced. This is not the life God called us to. He did. Religion's man's idea. God called us to a vital, vital relationship through faith. He gives us grace. Our failures are forgiven. Our mistakes are forgiven. His grace is available to strengthen us. He doesn't want to condemn you. He doesn't condemn people. Religious people condemn people. Religious people condemn people. Religious people find fault. Critical people find fault. People who are withered in their heart find fault, but not Jesus. He could talk to a woman caught in adultery and not find fault with her, condemn her. Jesus, you never find Jesus condemning anyone except religious people. Never. See, never. He came to bring us life. He came to bring us relationship. He came to bring us wholeness. And so Jesus, I love this part about him, he deliberately provoked the religious people. Well, he says, is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do evil? Is it lawful to heal and restore or not? He provoked them, and they said nothing. Then he said to the man with the withered hand, stand up. Now, you know something, an interesting thing about breaking out of any part of our life that's been withered, you can't hide yourself in a crowd. You've got to stand up somehow in response to the invitation of Jesus Christ who doesn't want us crippled and withered with a claw-like part of our hand or our soul. He wants us to be vibrant and alive. I don't know what's withering you, but God's saying, stand up. He's calling to you not to stay that way. He's calling to you to rise up on the inside. 
just want you to say yes. Jesus, I hear you speaking to me. Jesus, there's a part of me is withered. I got something that's withered my soul up, and I've been hiding, and I've drawn back, and I've shrunk back, and I'm a bit embarrassed, and I have no boldness because I'm ashamed. Jesus, stand up. Stand up. Rise up. He stood up. Now you can't hide. Not when you're standing up and you've got a withered hand right in the middle of everyone. eh? It's a very non-PC thing to do to a crippled person is to stand them up in the middle of a group so everyone looks at them. That would go down well, wouldn't it, eh? would really go down well. You could see the offense rising straight away. Then after he'd looked around and challenged them, he said this. He said, I want you to stretch out your hand. I want you to exercise your faith and stretch your hand out. I know you haven't done it for many years. I know you're withered in your soul, but I'm telling you right now, if you will just stretch in faith, the power of God will begin to flow. And that man began to reach and began to stretch. And as he began to stretch, power began to flow, and suddenly his hand is restored. Listen, you don't get restored hiding your problems and hiding your sorrows and hiding your withered parts away. That's a sure way you stay in darkness, stay in defeat. No, God wants you to stand up, to listen to Him speaking to your voice, to your hearts, and rise up. There's no point lying down. There's no time to hide. It's no time to be concealing yourself. It's time to stand up and say, God, I hear your voice speaking to me, and to begin to stretch again. I tell you something, I have watched miracles take place in the stretch. Most people wait until God has done something. That's religion. I'm sorry, it's religion. Jesus already done something. He died on the cross. What else do you expect him to do? He wants you to believe, to believe that if you will respond to his word and to his spirit, that he will flow through you and do something to change you. I, I was, I've seen many, I watched one, I, I, let me just give you a couple of examples I've seen of some healing miracles. Just amazing. But every one of them had the same thing in common. The person had to stretch. They had to push beyond the limits they had accepted. I remember one lady, and uh, we prayed for her. This was the first lady I ever got out of a wheelchair. And I went and laid hands on her and prayed for her. She had been in the wheelchair three years. And uh, I remember saying, now, are you, are you, we prayed for her, and I said, now, are you willing to stretch your faith? Are you willing to just stand up and begin to attempt to walk? And so we, we took her hands and helped her out of the wheelchair, and she was quite sort of weak on her feet and staggering, and I just held onto her hands. And so I held both her hands, and I said, I want you to begin to stretch. Don't focus on how much there isn't happening. Focus on that God has started to do something. And we began, I just began to walk backwards, and she sort of made hesitant steps, and I was looking at her, and I said, keep your eyes on what God is doing. Don't look at what hasn't happened. You look at what hasn't happened, you'll be filled with unbelief. And so she began to just take steps. And it was a bit uncertain for a bit. And I held her hands. And I said, we're just going to walk up here. So I held her hands. And she began to make staggery steps. And then we turned around. And I said, now, I'm gonna put, I want you to put your hands in my hands and just, just rest on the top so I'm not holding your hands. And I said, as I walk backwards, when you feel you've got enough strength in your legs, you let go of my hands and begin to walk. 
And so she put her hands on my hands, so she was steady. She staggered a bit, and as she walked, gradually she began to get stronger and stronger. Then she lifted her hands up. I took my hands away, and she was walking. She stretched the stretch of faith and saw the power of God released as she believed and did something she had not been able to do before. I was amazed at the people with her. They all wanted her to get back in the wheelchair. I have prayed for probably now well more than 100 people with walking sticks and seen them leave their walking stick behind. But every one of them, it was the same thing. They had to actually stretch their faith. They had to begin to stretch to do something, push out beyond their comfort zone to begin to attempt to do something they hadn't been able to do. And then as they stretched, the miracle was in the stretch. Imagine if they'd never stretched and just waited till they felt different. Nothing would have happened. No miracle. No miracle. Today, God is wanting His church to arise. Bible says He wants us not to be ignorant of spirit things. He wants us not to be ignorant of spirit things. He wants each person to be a builder of the house of God, an advancer of the kingdom of God. To do that, you need the Holy Spirit flowing in your life. Requires a desire that you will break out of being withered, withered by disappointment, withered by your family background, withered by the hurts of life, withered by what someone else does. Well, does it really matter what they did? What counts is whether the withered person will believe God could cause you to come free if you'll stretch out to Him. Listen tonight. There'll be some people here be withered, withered in your soul through disappointment, grief, through bad experiences and whatever. But, you know, listen, whatever caused that's moved on. But what will you do? Will you stay there hiding your withered part of your life and retreating from living the life God wanted or are you going to find someone to blame for why you're like you are? When Jesus found the man who was withered lying beside the pool, he said, do you want to be healed? The man immediately came up with excuses. I've got no one to help me. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be different? And he took his hand and lifted him up, and the man got free. So many times miracles happen that way. When we hear the Word of God and make a response of faith and begin to stretch out again, believing God to heal you, restore you, and for the joy in the life to flow.